Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. It feels great. It feels great to be home once again. You know, I I picked Michigan when I was in high school. And, you know, just to have the opportunity to play at home in front of a lot of the same fans. I mean, I'm so grateful, and I can't tell you how excited I am. It's put up or shut up, you know? So it's like I didn't be at the top of every. I didn't work this hard in high school and middle school and all of this to get in the league and not continue to work hard and be that competitor that I am. When I think about the Jets, I think about Darrell Revis. You know, he used to just be one of my favorite cornerbacks in the league. You know, I still watch him to this day. What's up, Steelers fans? I can't wait to get there back home, honestly, tomorrow and get to work next door. Um, it's a dream come true, and uh, I'm chasing my dreams. We're going to win the Super Bowl soon. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Kenny Pickett already calling a shot. We're going to win a Super Bowl soon. Let's hold him to it. What a night it was. Four drop, hours drop, or so drop, of drop, pick drop, after drop, pick. Drop, drop, drop. Let me tell you woo, something. Woo, woo. <laughs> yes. You were doing your thing. Right. I was doing my thing. Yeah. I was doing some videos. You were doing some videos. You were doing something other than videos. I was. I got to talk to you for a very brief amount of time, and I was very concerned that come Friday morning, I we were going to here. have to make alternate arrangements for the two-hour program because Chris was destined to be a no-show. So I am very impressed more than anything else. What was the thing that impressed me most from last night? That Chris actually is here at 7 a.m. on Friday because (laughs) you were having a good old time. There he is. There I am. You were having a good old time. (laughs) No doubt. I was. It was uh, was good. Like like I told you yesterday, I'm here on a Friday only for the NFL draft like this. But we had a a good time. A few few, people from work had him over there, did social media stuff. And yeah, you know, I, I cut it off just at the right time, right? Where, okay, draft started. I'm not started. So sure about that. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe not. But it cut it off just at the right <laughs> time to where I'm here and I'm not, you know, incoherent and still asleep. So that's good. Yeah, no, I'm glad you made it. I really was like, oh, God, wait a minute. He works tomorrow. Or maybe he doesn't. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Tune in at 7 a.m. Uh-huh. Eastern. On Peacock. So it was a fun draft. We're going to break it down for the next two hours here on Peacock, Sirius XM 85. Hopefully the folks on Sky will deem today's program worthy of broadcast on one of the various Sky networks. Although I keep hearing from people that the show just gets moved around to different Sky platforms, that it always airs, and that the people who are complaining don't know how to find it. So I really don't know what the truth is. And the problem is that 10 seconds of words that I just spoke guarantees me 25 emails, over under 25 emails from folks who watch the program on Sky Sports. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying they are passionate, they are zealous, but apparently some are confused about how to locate the program. And I don't know what to tell you other than hello, if you've found us. Yeah. All right. Hello to 32 new players in the draft. What was your initial? Give me an initial big picture sweeping reaction 
to round one. Well, I, that's where I wanted to have fun with you. I, I just, I, I don't know. I found that to be the most exciting, eventful first round, like, ever. I, I did. I, I just, I really thought it was amazing to kind of see, you know, how people's boards fell, all the trades, you know, how some teams valued players maybe more than others, right? Where we talked about before the draft, like, hey, I think there's two or three guys at every position that separate themselves from the rest. And a lot of teams had a top two or three different guys. I think that jumped out. So between that, the wide receivers, Mike, are still a huge commodity in the NFL. An O-line run, one quarterback, I mean, even even for you, I thought about you a few times last night. Like, that had to be a damn fun draft to watch. Uh, I, I just thought it was as exciting as, as I can remember. Well, it, it was strange because through the first 10 picks, nothing unexpected happened. There were no trades during draft night. Obviously, there were trades that set the table for the top 10 and all 32 before we even got started. But once we got started, the top 10 picks all went as scheduled, well, not even the Seahawks yeah. at number nine, who loved to trade down, made a move. Nothing happened. And the moment that I realized, hey, we've gone through 10 picks and there hasn't been a trade, it became Trade City. It was one trade Amazing. after another. And and uh, uh, dogs and cats living together in the NFC North, the Vikings and the Lions, shades of the job at best trade. The Vikings and the Lions did that deal 2010 Best actually looked like he was going to be a great running back until concussion shortened his career, but you always got to be a little nervous about helping someone from your division get what they want. The Lions surprising everyone going back to the days of Matt Millen and drafting a first-round receiver, but it, it was receiver ultimately in, in multiple ways. Yeah. The run on receivers right. and the running of receivers out of town yeah. in two places that we didn't expect last night. We were all watching... For a Debo Samuel trade, no Debo Samuel trade happens. The biggest lightning bolt of the night was the A.J. Brown trade from the Tennessee Titans to the Philadelphia Eagles. And before we focus on the Eagles side of it, the Titans have adopted this theory that was articulated by Scott McLuhan, former 49ers and Washington GM, that you just don't pay big money to receivers. Look at what the Titans have done. They struck gold with A.J. Brown in the second round in 2019. Yeah. After three seasons with him, 19-20-21, instead of paying him, they dumped him, and with the first-round pick they got for him, they drafted his replacement. And that's all well and good. And I thought it was funny. Daniel Jeremiah on NFL Network started laughing and saying, you know, my main comparable for Traylon Burks is A.J. Brown. Yeah, right. But that doesn't mean that Burks is going to become Brown. You already had you already had the guy who proved to you what he can do. These receivers taken last night, they're all not going to become A.J. Brown. Yeah, There's going to be an Akeel Harry floating around in there. There's going to be a Jalen Rieger floating around in there. And it's a hell of a risk by the Titans from a philosophical standpoint. And I, and there's a clip of Mike Vrabel kind of yeah. getting up and looking pissed off. And he had said, A.J. Brown's going to be here as long as I'm the coach. Twice he said that. And he's not Twice. a guy to BS. Right, right. So yes. uh, I, just, I think the boss didn't want to pay A.J. Brown. And John Robinson Here's won that video, little mini Mike. tug of war. There he is. John Robinson won that tug of war. Yeah, just I mean this is I mean, this is one where yeah he's not he's he's mad. Well, one like you said he's a man of his word. There's no doubt about that. And and then he said it twice in the last week about AJ Brown as long as I'm the head coach and he's probably I I, I would bet Tennessee didn't go into the draft thinking that would happen. Um, but John Robinson from New England, that type of guy, it presents itself. He makes the move. And Vrabel, yeah, probably is like, oh, man, I mean, gosh, uh, we're really going to let go of that guy? And, yeah, I, I can imagine him shaking his head and pissing and moaning a little bit there, you know, at, the, at, at, at that first pick of the draft. But, Mike, it's, I think, really interesting and, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a look into the future of the NFL of, you know, we've talked about this. You know, you, you want teams to trade for receivers. you got to have the teams that want them and the teams that are going to go, we don't want them. And here's one of those That's teams right. that I think John Robinson is going to be like, you know what, I'm going to try to go through my scouting and be tactical, and I'm not going to pay $28, 30000000 million a year from a receiver because they're growing on trees right now like we've seen. 
Now the now the beauty and the hard part is like you said, you got to pick the right one because it is a risk. AJ Brown's special, and there's no guarantee Burks is going to be special like that yet. That, that's for sure. The uh, the situation really is fascinating. Mike Vrabel, as we mentioned, did say that AJ Brown will be there as long as he's the head coach. John Robinson said last night that it was going to be difficult to get a deal done with A.J. Brown. They had reached the impasse. They weren't going to be able to bridge the gap. It's a four-year, $100 million extension that Brown signs as part of this trade to Philadelphia. And I think they did go into the night knowing it was a real possibility, Chris. They had to. Those pieces don't fall together the way they did. You're right. If you don't know, it's possible because not only are you doing the deal with the Titans, you're negotiating with A.J. Brown's representative. So I would suspect at some point A.J. Brown's representatives got permission to speak to the Eagles about that contract. It doesn't get done that quickly. Only at the start of free agency does a $100 million contract get negotiated so quickly. They had to have had an advance opportunity to try to do with the Eagles what they weren't able to do with the Titans. And this makes it kind of a Tyreek Hill situation because for the second time now, in a little over a month, there was quietly and discreetly an effort to trade a big-name receiver that no one knew about. So kudos to all involved. As Debo Samuel was providing the distraction, A.J. Brown and Tory Dandy represents both Samuel and Brown. Dandy was getting the deal done for A.J. Brown while everyone was focused on Debo Samuel. So kind of weird to see that juxtaposition where Brown was able to just get his business taken care of. And he had a tweet last night that he deleted. A.J. Brown said, basically, hey, everybody in Tennessee, I love you all. You're going to be in my heart forever. But this was not my fault. All caps, this was not my fault. He deleted it. But this was not my fault. And I I agree with him. It wasn't his fault because he's just trying to get paid and the Titans didn't want to pay him. It's not his fault. It's nobody's fault. It's a philosophical difference. That's what it came down to. Philosophical decision made by the Titans, by Brown, and by the Eagles. The Eagles are willing to pay him the money and give up the draft picks to get him. The Titans have him, and they're not willing to pay him the money. That's that's what is so fascinating about these worlds that are colliding in the NFL. F them picks and pluck them picks. We'll gladly give up the proven commodity to get more lottery tickets. We'll gladly give up the lottery tickets to get the proven commodity and pay him. Without those two sides, it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. I think it is. It's going to be cool to see. I mean, we saw a little bit of like what what the look is there last night. That hey, these top ones, let's get them, get them on the team. They can contribute right away early in their NFL career. We've seen that they're ready to go in NFL ready the way wide receivers come in. And, Mike, it might be one of those things that I thought about you a little last night where it might be the new formula. You described it with running backs where teams don't want to, you know, maybe draft running backs and then, okay, they, they're they good and then you have to pay them because you, oh, I mean, look what he's done for us for three years. You got to pay him. You know, the receiver thing I feel like might be the same way where some of these teams are not quite the same but going, hey, we're at year three. I, I mean – uh, he, you know, A.J. Brown another year, or and we know he wanted a contract. Maybe Hollywood Brown's the better conversation here with this, where, well, he's going to have another year, and he gets a 1,000 yards. He's going to want one of these huge contracts too. So, like, the Ravens, I think, are getting ahead of the curve and going, we're not going to deal with that, right, for next year. We're not going to deal with it or be, you know, put in a corner by our fan base to go, how could you let go one of your own, a homegrown first-round pick? He's had 1,000-yard years two after year, two years after each other. I think you're seeing that, too, where teams are going, like, trying to find the sweet spot to get out underneath these contracts or the looming contract on the horizon and just take, again, a younger commodity. And uh, it's, it's going to be th- cool to see here with, with this position. We'll talk about the Ravens yeah. in a couple of minutes yeah, because know. they didn't backload with a receiver. The Titans did. That's what makes the Titans so fascinating. Yeah, right. Out with the guy who wants $100 right. million, in with a new guy, and hey, if he really works out, he's going to want a lot of money, and then in three years we're going to have to trade him. The only difference is they can maybe kick the can one more year because of the fifth-year option. Yes, right. Maybe they can keep Burks four years before they're trading him to someone and backfilling again. I just don't like – we've talked about this. I don't like the idea that you get a great player and you get rid of him before you get the most out of him. 
one of the realities of hitting on one of these draft picks is at some point you're going to have to pay him as he's smack dab in the middle of his prime. That's what you're going to have to do. That's what you want to do. That's the good problem to have. Hey, we did a hell of a job in round two in 2019 with A.J. Brown. Oh, now we got to pay him. Well, that, that goes with the territory. You do a hell of a job with somebody. You develop him. You draft the right guy. He becomes a great player. You've got to pay him. And for Traylon Burks on the way in the door, the message is, hey, but I better not be too good or they're going to trade me on draft night in a few years. And that's one of these sends a bad message to the locker room moves. I think that's why Mike Vrabel got up and paced a little bit. How? What am I going to say to my guys? What am I going to say? What am I going to say to my guys that we wouldn't pay the receiver we had, so we went out and got some someone who's completely unproven, completely and totally unproven, who's going to take his place? And it all happened on the same night. Uh, that That's a tough one to sell to a locker room of guys who think there's a very clear connection between doing well and doing well financially. Doing well professionally, doing well financially. And now there's a wall there that the Titans have erected as it relates to A.J. Brown. And the other guys in the locker room are going to be looking at it saying, is that what happens to me? Is that my reward? Yeah. If I do really well, yeah. you trade me to another team that's willing to pay me what you want? Right. No, I, I mean, Mike, you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's definitely going to have some guys looking out of the corner of their eye a little bit. They understand the business. Vrabel will say the right things, too, about how much he loved A.J. Brown. And, hey, listen. It's cutthroat, like we know. And, you know, every team's always trying to crack the code or find the new way to build a team that's the, you know, we can get over on the rest of the NFL. And I feel like, you know, Tennessee here, they're going, wait, we, we've got two big-time pass rushers. We paid a ton of money. You know, we're paying a running back pretty good money. They're paying Tannehill good money. You know, Jeffrey Simmons is on the horizon, who that's, to me, we're probably part of this issue, too. Their defensive tackle, who's going to be asking for a new, big new contract here, where they're going, wait, we're not going to be able to pay all these guys. So, AJ, and I think John Robinson's just showing us, Mike, just, yeah, it's something we talked about. He's going, all right, you know, th this is going to be my new formula. I'm not going to waste the money on these guys. I think you can get these guys in the league, and if you've got a pretty good offensive coordinator – He's going to find ways to get the ball in the hands of these guys, and it's going to go from there. And I, I, I listen, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see where it goes because I think there is logic. I mean, you know, again, Mike, I think we could have the conversation like here's a little bit where there, there's 20 top 10 receivers in football. I, I really think you could go like that. You know, we've, we've had this a little bit where if you ask 10 different coaches, their top 10 receivers are kind of be all over the place. And I think some teams are just going, well, all right, there's these guys coming in the league, and we'll kind of just – we just want one of those 20, and we feel like we can go and still be good. The difference between what's happening with running backs and receivers, there are similarities. Yeah. The attitude is there's plenty of great ones entering every year, right. so some teams are going to say we don't need to pay the ones we have. Right. But the difference is there wasn't a single running back taken in the first round last night. There no. was a run on receivers last night in the first round. It's a passing and the two league. big names traded yeah. are receivers. It's receivers, receivers, receivers. So not only are they plentiful, they are falling all over each other to go get them, to get the best of them in round one. Right. And other teams are opening the wallet as widely as they can to go trade for established talent. It really is a fascinating time. And it I've is. never seen this dynamic at any other position where – Teams will do whatever they have to do to go draft the unproven commodity, and you've got multiple teams. Now. We've now seen four teams do it. The Raiders, the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Cardinals. Go out and get a proven receiver and give up real trade assets and pay that guy as part of it. Pay the guy that the current team wasn't willing to pay. That is an amazing development in a quarterback-driven league. Yeah. Now it's becoming... Not quite 1A and 1B, but you you really can make the case that receiver is slipping past edge rusher as the number two most important position on the field. The proof is in what teams are doing to go get them. Right. Or the proof is in what teams are doing with the ones that have gotten them and what it means to their success on the field. I mean, we saw last year, Jamar Chase... 
halfway through year one, we were going, he's one of the five best receivers in football. So teams are Justin Jefferson the year before that, halfway through the year, we're going, he's one of the 10 best receivers in football. Rookie, ready to go. Uh, so, and then Devonte Smith last year, and we've had a ton of this where I think the league has got to wait. These guys can come in in the first year, second year, and be in the top ten conversation at this position right away. And then, like we talk about, you have the offensive coordinator, and you know I think teams with the passing league this day and age in the NFL, 2022. I think a lot of them too are looking at it and go, you don't need one good one; you actually need two. If you want to really put pressure on a football team with the way the NFL is being played right now. And I think that's the other aspect of it as well, where you, you know, a lot of the good teams got two of these really damn good ones on their team. And that puts a lot of pressure on a defense and changes the game in, in a lot of ways. As we've said many times in this new crazy world of the NFL, where there are teams that are happy to give up picks and pay a player. There are teams that are happy to take those picks and not pay the player, even though he's been their employee. Let's hear from the two general managers who were involved in getting this deal done between the Eagles and the Titans to send A.J. Brown to Philly. Howie Roseman of the Eagles and John Robinson of the Titans. The, the trade was contingent on us getting an extension, um, so something we were working on during the course of the draft, and um, we were just kind of trying to balance um, finishing that, and if we didn't finish that, making sure we also got the right players. Um, but it didn't matter the receivers on the board, you know, for us. Um, A.J. Brown wa was somebody that um, we had studied coming out and uh, spent a lot of time on, and we had a lot of love for A.J. Brown in that draft. Um, obviously, you know, things went a different way in that draft, but I'm really excited to get him um, just in terms of uh, how Coach can use him and his vision for A.J. Brown in this offense and uh, how he complements the other guys that we have here and, um, as you guys may or may not know, his relationship with our quarterback, um, you know, all, all exciting things. And I'm um, looking forward to getting him into Philadelphia. The decision we made today um, was, a, it was a tough one. Um, you know, really appreciate what A.J. has done here for our football team on the field, uh, in the community. Um, and we had discussions back and forth. And I really realized we got to a spot where – it's going to be hard to kind of get a deal done. Um, and the trade thing kind of manifested itself from them. And Did John Robinson talk like a Tennessee guy when he was working for the Patriots? Is yes. that something he's acquired? No, no, he's okay. from Tennessee, just so you know. Right. His well, is why his is, it. he's made for hey. them down there. This is a dream job for him. And, hey, you know, I think he's doing a hell of a job. That was a tough decision. He's a little out of breath it there. Really, <laughs> it really is. Yeah, you know why? Because he's he just nervous. had his ass kicked by Mike Vrabel. <laughs> he's worried He's worried sitting there next to Mike Vrabel that that big, beefy left hand like is I just going to whoom right <laughs> yeah. over. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. Um, former NFL player and not former NFL player, when you get two of them close together and push comes to shove, there will be pushing and there will be shoving and there will be usage of that giant meat hook especially when you make one of the guys upset. And I'm telling you, I don't care. Vrabel can't be happy about this because Vrabel's not the guy to BS. When Vrabel says That's A.J. Right. Brown is going to be here as long as I'm the coach, he's not participating in a smokescreen. He doesn't do that. That is in so his either. way. Right. He wanted A.J. Brown there, and he lost it. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it. I've, I've hinted at it before. I don't know this, but I don't think he wanted Julio Jones last year, and that wasn't his call. And I bet that makes him even more pissed off. It's like, wait, Feels you guys don't way. want to pay Brown. Yeah. You, you, you were willing to bring in the guy that I said, we don't need him, we don't want him, it's not going to make us any better. And you know what Julio Jones did for the Titans? He made them no better last year. That was a disaster. That yeah. was a mistake. It was. And they didn't listen to him then, and now they're not listening to him <clears throat> now. And I bet he is pissed. And you got to wonder, and I'm not advocating this, I don't condone this, but you got to wonder... If Mike Vrabel's thinking, if I am going to stay here, I got to be, I got to be better attuned to this organization. And again, I don't know how much John Robinson is doing the bidding of ownership, but if they're just too cheap to pay AJ Brown, let's remind everyone they're getting a new stadium down there, and it's going to be somewhere between 1.2 to 1.5 billion in public money that is used to build that stadium. They are getting free money. They are making a ton of money. So let's not go cheap when we have a great player that is going to be a cornerstone of the Eagles' success moving forward now. That, that's the, the, the biggest 
head-scratcher about this new dynamic. You have a team that says, we know the guy, we love the guy, we just aren't going to pay him. And you have another team that says, we don't know the guy, but we think we're really going to love him enough to pay him more than what his current team will pay him. To me, the fact that we're finding those matches in multiple cities between multiple teams for multiple players, that's amazing to me. Yeah, no, it is amazing. And I think, you know, I think it's, it's the dynamic of the GMs, too. It's a little of the psychology there as well. You know, you, may, you know, you gotta, you're gonna have your guys like John Robinson who are gonna go. I'm, I'm confident in my ability to find guys at this position, and then you're gonna have guys like Howie Roseman who's gonna go. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I can find them too, but uh, this guy here, just I know he's good, so I'm just gonna just go with that and pay the money and pay the premium for it. So that's where it is fun. You know, I'm with you in the fact that Bra- Vrabel. I, I, I would think, you know, one. You know, didn't want it to happen. You know, maybe he wasn't quite aware that it was, you know, that far down the road as far as trade talks with Howie. Or maybe really what I really thought, Mike, was maybe he knew this was on the radar a little bit, and he's been saying this for the last week, to maybe put public pressure on John Robinson and the Titans because he didn't want to do it. So I don't know, either way. But Robinson's really smart. I worked with him a little up in New England, and this is going to be his patriot way a little bit he's gonna be tactical and and be smart and economical on the wide receiver position it looks like he doesn't want to do this well, and uh yeah we'll see how see. smart we'll see how smart it You're is right. we're Burks. i know that's the guy they acquired from arkansas and there's more pressure on him now that's the other thing that we need to take into account we don't get to have that conversation with the chiefs and the packers because they didn't use one of their first round picks on receivers because all the best ones were gone by the time they were in position Did aaron Rodgers have hair tra- left today you think you think he's got any hair tra- left on his head <laughs> a lot of tequila a lot of tequila <laughs> <laughs> Mahomes has receivers. Rodgers is probably shape. going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Traylon Burks, extra pressure on him to yeah. walk through the door and replace A.J. Brown. And and not all these guys that were drafted last night are going to become Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo right. Samuel. There's a Jalen Rieger floating around in there. That's right. There's... There, there's a Nikhil Harry floating around in there. So uh, that, that's, that's just the law of averages, and it's one of the realities of the draft. When you have a run like that, you're going to have some guys that are – and, I, hey, there was a, a mini run. It's now been six years ago when it was Will Fuller and Josh Doxson and, and uh, yeah. the one that went to the Vikings whose name that I, I used to know, but oh. maybe I've expunged it from my memory. Laquan, Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell. Right, right. And they and they all they all none of them they were good. all hey listen I think I mean, this group's a hair overrated bunch, but I think it's yeah. a hair overrated this group we'll see I I did not think we were going to be seeing you know all this in the top twenty I did not I didn't think these guys were as talented as some of the guys we've seen in years past but you know definitely one of the shocks of the draft I mean again there's you know I mean Drake London at eight and then all of a sudden it just set the world off and then it was Ohio State guy Ohio State guy and then pissed off ex-Ohio State guy going, I'm pissed that those guys went in front of me and Detroit trading up 20 picks to get Jamison Williams, which is a huge move. Detroit, one of the teams that won the draft, in my opinion, right there. I mean, to make that move. Uh, but yeah, Mike, I, I'm like you. I was in shock. I just couldn't believe the the race to get the receivers that these teams looked at that were go, these six right here, they felt like we're in a class of their own. And they, there was a premium on them, premium on them by some teams, and you saw they went up and got them or took them early, and weren't going to let it hang around and, and go to chance. And we'll take a closer look coming up here momentarily at the way the receivers came off the board. Yeah, one team that didn't draft a receiver, but that unloaded a receiver that they had made a first round pick three years ago, the Baltimore Ravens. The first surprise before the AJ Brown shoe dropped was the news that Hollywood Brown had been traded by the Ravens to the Cardinals for the 23rd overall pick in the draft. Let's hear from Eric DeCosta, the GM of the Ravens, because it became clear once the first round was over and folks had a chance to begin speaking why the Ravens made the decision that they did to move on from Hollywood Brown. Complicated topic. And for me personally, uh, complicated because uh, Marquise was my first pick. And uh, be one of my favorite guys on the team, you know. So uh, 
but Marquis came to me after the season and uh, and requested that he be traded and, and was not happy and wanted to play elsewhere. Uh, again, it was something that I anguished over for a long time. Uh, I, he would tell you, I think, that he and I had many conversations um, throughout the spring. And, you know, uh, I, I always say the club has to win. And this is a situation where it's going to be impossible for the club to truly win. But, you know, we do what we think is best for the player. We try to accommodate players when we can. Um, you know, I'm sensitive to that. And so we, we did it. I think we, uh, he would, would say that he feels happy, which is good. And we made the best of the situation as a club. Hey, we saw this coming November of 2020 after a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Marquise Brown went off and right. said, what's the point of having soldiers when you never use them? Never. Um, the, this is one of the natural byproducts of having an offense that is so heavily premised on Running the, the ball. run. Right. They haven't been able to attract free agent receivers because they want to catch passes. So they have to draft them. And when you draft them, they're going to get to a point where they look around and say, my career isn't really developing the way it could, the way it should. Now, he did somehow get 91 catches for 1,008 yards know, right. in 16 games last year. So he was finding a way to exist in that environment. But you look at it and say, all right, if he could get 1,000 yards with the Ravens, what's he going to do with the Cardinals? What's he going to do with Kyler Murray? And DeAndre Hopkins, what's he going to do in that offense? Kyler Murray, hey, problem solved between Kyler Murray no and the doubt. Arizona Cardinals. Right. Now, they still have to do a contract, right. but I'm told Murray is thrilled by this. Remember, he was he was pounding on the table for C.D. Lamb in 2020. Now he gets a guy he entered the draft with, and he played with in Oklahoma. Yes, he did, right. Murray is reunited with a teammate. Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown together again. He is thrilled by this. Yeah, it, it, I mean, he should be. I mean, again, it's, uh, Kyler Murray, they're just making the Oklahoma offense for him there. It just it shows you what their their commitment to him, you know, why he should be happy to be there. And, uh, you know, yes, it fits Hollywood Brown. Mike, you, you said it right. They're, these guys a little bit, they're, they're not in love with playing wide receiver in Baltimore. It's a different style. And, you know, you're going to have a number of routes during the game where you're going to go, damn, I was open. And, Lamar just said, well, I saw a hole and I'm fast and I was open and I ran for 30. I'm sorry. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it goes. It stinks for the receivers there. Um, but I did not know all that. And that 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 is uh, really interesting. You could tell the cost. You could have read it last night. You could have read it last night on PFT, well, but there, I have a feeling you were passed Well, there was out. so much going. I wasn't. There was just so much going on. Mike, I mean, I was sitting there like on my A game all night. It was just going. It was literally like, wait, who traded who to what? And what team is? And then you'd look up and you'd go, the TV couldn't even keep up. You'd go, it was they after haven't the draft. even. They that, haven't all, even, that all came up after. I know. I that know. all came up after. All right. Well, yes, I went to sleep at that point. The day was, That's over, my point. was over. Yes, yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, big trade for the, for the Arizona Cardinals. That's their team big ways and big ways. And, and that is really the double whammy after the first night of the draft. Once you get through the picks, there's a flood. There's an avalanche of press conferences that happen as they introduce the new picks and as the decision makers are made available and they have to talk about all sorts of things, including the comments you saw from Eric DaCosta on the decision to trade Hollywood Brown. So we, oh, 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 I can't, how can I move on without mentioning this? And our friend, uh, our friends at the NFL Network and ESPN, I know they have a lot going on. There's a lot happening. The plates are spinning but I didn't – now, I had the NFL Network coverage on. I just need, I need to pick one and stick with it. I, I, there's no reason to go back and forth because it's the same basic information. Mm -hmm. But I didn't hear it on ESPN, or I didn't hear it on NFL Network. I don't know if it happened on ESPN. Lamar Jackson was not happy, and there wasn't a whole lot said. There wasn't anything said about that that I heard on NFL Network about Lamar Jackson. Retweeting the tweet that has – Multiple of the words that were said uh, yesterday by Chris on the program. And then Lamar Jackson with the WTF uh, when, when, they tr when they drafted Taylor Lindenbaum at pick number 25. And then he retweets the welcome to Hollywood Brown in Arizona, and he's not happy. Lamar Jackson is not happy He about didn't know this. either, I, apparently. You know? there, there was talk before the draft, you know, weeks, not, not recent, but in the past few weeks about Hollywood Brown being traded and 
Lamar Jackson said on Twitter, no chance or something like that. So he's upset. And this is an awkward time for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson because Jackson won't engage them in contract talks. And now they go out and they make the moves in the best interest of the team, and he's upset. It's not going to make him more likely to call Eric DaCosta today and say, hey, let's go ahead and sit down and do that contract. I can't help but wonder at some point whether or not the Ravens are, are – and if this, if this Hollywood Brown thing hit Eric DaCosta the way that his comments suggested, I can't help but wonder whether or not they're, they're taking a second look at the idea of having an offense that is so premised on a running quarterback because you're not going to be able to keep your receivers happy that way. And as the, the league is going so heavily toward having great receivers and passing the football, this offense is not going to make it in the NFL. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because you still need receivers. But if your receivers become remotely decent, they're going to want to go play in a different offense. Yeah. No, I, yes, you're right. I mean, they might be one of those teams that, like we just talked about earlier, that has to go through the draft always and just goes and plays that game. And realize that if we're going to play this style, yeah, some of the top free agent receivers are not going to come to town here. Uh, I, I think that's that's a real thing. You know, Lamar can't be too mad here. You know, th- this is where again, it it doesn't seem like Lamar realizes Hollywood Brown wanted out of there. That Hollywood Brown didn't want to play there anymore. So that's that's not a Ravens problem. You could see DaCosta obviously liked Hollywood Brown very much and had an a, attachment to the guy. But Hollywood Brown's got to do what's best for Hollywood Brown, and he's going to go to a place where he feels like he can catch and thrive and make a lot of money. And, Baltimore, and get paid. Yeah, and he's got to be right. Paid. You're right. You know, so there you go. And then Baltimore, yeah, they go safety and, you know, the best center in the draft, and that's the team they are. And that's the team they'll continue to be, I guess, as we go forward. But, yeah, they're another team, Mikey, throwing this wide receiver crazy experiment that's going on in the NFL right now, and you see where it goes. I know they do a lot of shotgun in Baltimore, but the idea that the quarterback isn't that thrilled with the new center, uh, he, he, that, that's a pretty intimate relationship uh, when you're not in shotgun. So, uh, <laughs> so they, they got to they work on making sure Tyler Lindenbaum and Lamar Jackson are on the same page. They better work on making sure Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are on the same page because obviously they haven't been as it relates to his long-term future. And now, short-term, he's upset. And... Hey, look, well, let's leave it for another day. But I won't be surprised if a year from now Lamar Jackson's on a different team. I won't be. Hmm. I I, I just won't be. I I would have said that before yesterday and post last night. I could see why Lamar Jackson would want it. And I think that the Ravens have to be asking themselves, is this approach practical is this in our best interest in today's nfl you know they got lamar jackson with the 32nd overall pick in 2018 they got an mvp season out of him but where they stand now i think they have to ask some real questions because the league really is skewing heavily toward passing offense and valuing receivers and using the receivers that you have and you mentioned the run that started at number eight with the atlanta falcons last year they took kyle pitts a great pass-catching tight end with the fourth selection. This year, it's Drake London with the eighth overall pick. Chris, I guess it didn't hurt him to not run the 40. He said, I'm not running the 40 before the draft. Go watch my film. Falcons watched his film. Falcons like what they saw. Yeah, I get it. I do. I, I mean, you know, the 40 is the, the one concern you have about him. Uh, his straight speed is not like, oh, wowing. But, Mike, you've heard me say before, size is a skill. It is. I mean, when you're that big... And and it's the most unbelievable thing you've seen, Mike. I mean, the 50-50 balls, it, it's, he's the best that's ever come out of college with these type of things. Back shoulders, 50-50 balls. It is 80-20 with Drake London. And then the route running is that of a smaller human being. He has unbelievable feet and ability to, you know, kind of know how to use the right body language to get a guy going this way and then put his foot in the ground and go the other way. He's very good with that. So there's almost like some slot value to the guy, too. He's he's a he's a safe pick that way. And then damn, you know, you said it with him and Kyle Pitts. Holy cow. Good luck everybody out there. If you don't have big corners, it doesn't I don't care how you cover these guys. You could be in their hip pocket. They're just so big, they're still going to catch the ball and that's going to be a real issue for teams matching up with the Atlanta Falcons. And the run continued because after the Falcons went with Drake London at 8 now the 
the Seahawks opted to stay put and take a tackle in Charles Cross, who was hanging around, I think, longer than folks thought that he would. But then at number 10, the Jets do not trade the pick to the 49ers for Debo Samuel. They take Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. uh, And then the Saints trade up to 11 to take Chris Olave from Ohio State. Buckeye receivers back-to-back, which which just, again, underscores what we've been saying. Teams value – the players at that position, and they were making the moves to get them. The Jets by staying put, the Saints by jumping from 16 to 11. Yeah, well, a lobby to the Saints, I think that was like one that, you know, made a lot of sense in a lot of ways. I could I could see that marriage. Great route runner, right? You know, can do all the things that that offense and Sean Payton has done, and he has the speed to go deep and do that. He's really an all-around, like, well-rounded receiver. And same with Wilson. I mean, you know, Garrett Wilson to the Jets. I thought the Jets are one of the teams that won the draft for sure. To get Sauce Gardner, you know, the best corner in the draft, in my opinion. They trade up late in the first round and get Jermaine Johnson the third. And then you give your biggest asset on your football team, Zach Wilson, another weapon. And you go, okay, man, the Jets are not next year. You know, the offensive line's in a pretty good spot. You got the quarterback, and you talk about Corey Davis, second-round pick from the 2021 draft, Elijah Moore, added with this guy right here, and you go, uh-oh, Jets got a little something of receiver here because Olave, I mean, uh, Wilson can fly. I mean, he can run, and he's got a little size too, and uh, he's going to be a great fit for the New York Jets. He was a little high for me at number 10, but still, if you love him, you're committed to him, go get him. He was a little high for you at number 10, huh? That sounds like you're <laughs> well, maybe he wasn't high uh, enough for me. You know, you know. <laughs> uh, based on last night, no. And then we go from Olave to the trade that sent the Lions from 32 to 12. And Woo! the first thought was, the first thought was, oh, they really are serious about a quarterback. They were looking at Kenny Pickett. They were looking at Malik Willis. And maybe they're making this move to, to cut off the Steelers before they could jump up to try to get somebody. Right. And it ends up that they snatch... Jamison Williams, the guy who I think would have been the first receiver taken, but for the torn ACL suffered no the national championship. I really am surprised the Vikings facilitated the Lions' move. I really am. And, and they got the 32nd pick, the 34th pick, and an early third-round pick for it. I, I, they didn't even get a future first-rounder. I thought yeah. at a minimum, you drop 20 spots, you're going to get a future first-rounder. But if they're comfortable with what they think they're going to get in the, in the range that they acquired those picks, so be it. But uh, the Jamison Williams pick was a surprise. The, the trade was a surprise, and the Lions taking Williams was a surprise. Wouldn't have been a surprise 15, 20 years ago when Matt Millen was picking first-round receivers every year. Definitely a surprise now. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. Um, yeah, Mike, I think the value in the trade in a lot of ways, too, with this draft, and you've heard people say this, I'm not breaking news, a lot of the NFL looks at it and goes, man, the second and third round is where it's at. Uh, that's where I think a lot of the, the teams think there's tremendous value. So, hey, you got the pick 32, 34. You got one of the picks tonight to get a premium player that I, I bet a lot of teams would, thought would have gone in the first round. But when it you know, pertains to Jamison Williams, when I was sitting there and saw the trade, you know, people at NBC will tell you, I was going, it's got to be Jamison Williams. It's got to be. I just knew too many people in football who had him, you know, at the top of their board as one of the best players in the draft, top five player on their board, top eight player on their board. So then he was sitting there at 12, and that kind of move that they did there tells me that they had Jamison Williams up there as a top five, top six player on their draft board because that's when you make that move to go, wait, he's at 12, and it's going to cost this to get him, and we think he's that, he's worth that. Well, this is where it ma- 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 like matches. It all matches the perfect world. We have a need at the position. We think he's way better than the spot he's at right now. Let's make the move. Let's make the trade. And uh, Jamison Williams is ready to bite some kneecaps off, too. He was pissed off walking to the podium. I guarantee he was pissed those Ohio State kids went before he did. And there's a little personal, you know, he transferred. He had to leave there and go to Alabama. Uh, so uh, they're going to get a guy with an attitude and, like you always talk about, a chip on his shoulder, which is going to be a good thing. He's going to be mad, even though he's still picked 13 and, or 12 and going to be an unbelievable player. It's a huge factor in the yeah. psychology of the receiver. You go later than you thought. You go behind guys that you know you're better than. It lights a fire. Instead of being 
complacent like you can be yeah, if I'm you're the, the man. first guy taken. Right. Drake London's going to have to get his motivation elsewhere. Jamison Williams, only four picks later, his motivation is baked in. But, Chris, it was Charles Rogers in 2003, your guy Roy Williams yeah. in 2004, right. Mike Williams in 2005, Holy cow. Calvin Johnson in 2007. Four out of five years they took receivers in round one, and they had not take a first, taken a first-round receiver since then. Here we are, 15 years later, Jamison Williams. Uh, another Williams. The third Williams. It's amazing. That's what I was going to say. I was gonna, they got an obsession with the Williams. Detroit Lions. <laughs> Unbelievable. Man. They're saving money on the nameplates on the back of the receiver jerseys. And they got to be uh, pumped. The Lions. Right? They got to be pumped. What a move. You know, right? Well, And then they have Aiden exactly. Hutchinson. We didn't talk didn't about hesitate. it yet. Right. right. I, I, don't, I don't know what people were thinking. I, I, I understand that there is a business component to what we do in the media, and we'd like to create drama wherever we can. But let's not go crazy about it. There were people who were like, oh, I don't know. The Lions may take Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, I don't know. The Lions may go quarterback. Oh, I don't. Aiden Hutchinson was an absolute positive, complete and total like no-brainer pick. Right. It was perfection. Absolute no-brainer pick. That's the guy they would have taken if they had the number one overall pick. Yes. It's, it's the football gods aligned. That was, it just made so many sense in so many ways. Michigan. You know, the guy himself, like we talked about him and Dan Campbell look like they could cut off the sleeves of a hoodie and walk down and you'd be like, I don't know. They're just bros. They're awesome together. So it was perfect. I thought the Lions were one of the teams that won the draft. Last thing here, because I know we got to go to a break here, but here's the other thing I'll do in the future. And this is, I know you're going to like this. This is candy for you right here. Um, I'm going to listen to the sports books and the gambling sites a little bit about. Oh, absolutely. Because oh, obviously absolutely. they were clued They're in right. last night. They were clued in. They knew. They knew what was going to go down. And that to me was shocking in a lot of ways. I would have lost a lot of money last night if I bet got, on that. They got plenty of reasons. Yeah, they got plenty they of reasons. But it's to a know, real although thing. Although you would have won. You would have won the Kayvon Thibodeau I know, I got over it. four and a half. Right, you would have won that one. Barely. <laughs> yeah, barely. Let's take a break. Um, Chiefs and Packers, multiple first-round picks. Needs at receiver. No receivers. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It was a little surprising with Devontae. Um, obviously, when I made my decision... Uh, I was still thinking he was going to come back. You know, I was I was very honest with him about my my plans and my future and where I saw you know my career going uh, as far as how many years I wanted to play. But I, I felt like you know he was going to be back. Uh, didn't obviously turn out that way. But I have so much love for Tay and appreciate the time we spent together and and definitely wish him uh, wish him the best with Derek in in uh, in Vegas. But that's a big hole to fill for sure. Aaron, what the hell? Was he like that the whole time? Uh, didn't that bug you? Sit up straight, man. Come on, just sit. I don't know what that was. Anyway, I don't. I don't. I don't know what that was from a content standpoint either. How? How does he not know that Devontae Adams is thinking about leaving when he decides to stay put? And 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 you had everybody saying, "Oh, Aaron Rodgers was fully aware when he made his decision." No, he wasn't. I, what they said, he was aware when he signed his contract. Yeah, because he didn't sign his contract until a week after he decided to come back. He wasn't aware that Devontae Adams was leaving when he made his decision to stay, which means he was assuming that the Packers were going to work it out with him, which means he has to be upset and disappointed at some level that he's not there. Of course it does. And this gets back to what we've been saying. There's still dysfunction between Aaron Rodgers and the front office, even though he decided to stay. Yeah, it, it shows it. I mean, it shows a little bit. It shows a little bit of all of it, really. You know, maybe the... The, the Rodgers front office little lack of communication, just you know, dysfunction. And then to me, the other thing it shines a light on, Mike, is you know I think you you heard me say this a little bit during the break. Like, doesn't I, I'm just shocked at the lack of communication. A little bit by Lamar Jackson that he doesn't even realize Hollywood Brown asked for a trade, 
And he's on social media going, how do we trade the guy? And he wanted out of there, dude. That's what, He didn't want to be there. That's why they traded him. Come on. Like, don't you talk to – I'm shocked that these guys don't talk to the receivers more and have more of a feeling of what is going on. I think that's what I'm more shocked about with anything is that just – Rodgers, is the, is the communication and the friendship not on the level for Devontae Adams to go, oh, oh, wait, yeah, here's your, thanks for being honest with me, Rodgers. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't like that crap up in Green Bay. I'm getting the hell out of here. Obviously, the relationship wasn't at the point to where he told him that. That, to me, is shocking. Well, That's where it's like it doesn't and, happen with Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or those guys. And Adams has said that he spent time in the offseason – Talking to Derek Carr. I know. Inspiring and planning. So while Aaron Rodgers is is doing his vision quest for, you know, he's so, yeah. hey, and this is what, hey, folks, this is what happens. You get so caught up in your own stuff, there's other stuff going on right under your nose that you don't know about. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers very immersed in self-reflection, and, 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 and that's fine, but... He lost sight of what Devontae Adams did and didn't want, and he took that relationship for granted. Yeah. Because while Aaron Rodgers was sucking up all the attention and, and all the oxygen by making him the focal point, Devontae Adams decided, I'm out. I'm done. See ya. And the fact that he didn't tell him tells me that he no longer valued the relationship the way that he should have. Because at a minimum, you got to say to Aaron Rodgers, hey, Aaron, you know what? As you're making your decision, you need to know something. Yes, exactly. You need to know something very exactly. important. Right. I'm not going to be here. Right. So do do with that whatever you will yes. as you decide on your future, but I'm not going to be here. So you may want to think twice about whether or not you're going to stay because I'm not. Uh, that that uh, now now <laughs> now let's go let's go uh, get get the uh, the picture ready of me uh, with short sleeve dress shirt and smoking cigarette. Um, if Aaron would have ended up in Denver, if he left, Devontae Adams did the Raiders a favor. Although I don't know, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you could argue, I know I would take Aaron Rodgers over Russell Wilson, uh, all things being equal for the short term. Yeah. I, I, and I don't want to be that. I, I don't want to sell this idea that Adams did it on purpose, but if you don't tell Aaron Rodgers, then he doesn't go somewhere else where you may have to face him with a better team. Oh, I hear you. Then if you have to deal you. with him as a member right. of the Packers, right. you know, you yeah, don't, we yeah. don't have to deal with him on the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, now. yeah. Stay where you are. If I had told him I was are, leaving, right? maybe, yeah, he, yeah. maybe he would have left for the Broncos. <laughs> that would That's be my next, point. that would be next level. I mean, I, I mean, that would be pretty amazing. And uh, you know, there it is. It's <laughs> not the craziest conspiracy ever, actually. And I think there's actually a little logic behind this one. Well, there. especially if Derek Carr, if Derek Carr saying to him, Hey, don't, don't tell Aaron. Yeah, right. Don't tell Aaron. We don't want to deal with him in this division. Let's try to win the division. They, they almost trade him to the Broncos last year. Yeah. We, do you want? Do you want Aaron Rodgers playing for the Broncos? Okay, then don't don't tell him. I, and again, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Know. But know. but but you hit the nail on the head. How are these guys not communicating better with their receivers? How does Lamar Jackson not know Hollywood Brown wants out? How does Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers not end up on the same page with Rodgers not knowing that Adams wants out? That that that's amazing to me. And uh, those relationships are so important, not just on the field. They're important as it relates to these ever-changing business realities of the NFL. Yeah, no, no, no doubt, no question about it. And you know, it's just it's it's amazing. Green Bay, there they are. They probably were saying, "Hey, we're going to be fine sitting here in the early twenties. We'll get we'll get one of the receivers we want here." And then they must have been. Like having a heart attack, watching these guys go off the board one after another. And then the fact that they get there, which, listen, I thought Green Bay made two unbelievable selections. Unbelievable. I love both of those guys. Quay Walker was my second favorite linebacker in the draft. Devontae Wyatt, to me, was a top 10 pick. He's got some off-the-field things. That's why he's down there at 28. But the picks were great. But nonetheless, we, they need a receiver, like you talked about. And the really, really good ones, there's only, like, in my opinion, you know, a few left here that can really help their football team for, for day two. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're in a little bit of a bind at the wide receiver position. And it got very interesting because you had the Packers at 22 and 28. Eight, right. And you, had, right. and you had the Chiefs at 29 and 30. So, and, and this is something that, that I'd been talking about, and I wrote something about it last night before round one. You get an interesting dance here between the Packers and the Chiefs to try to get in position to get a receiver because the Packers are at 22 
And do they try to trade up before the Chiefs cut the line? And look what happened. The Chiefs cut the line. The Chiefs moved into the 21 spot. The only problem was there weren't any receivers left to take, at least not the high-end receivers. Right. So the Chiefs trade up to take cornerback Trent McDuffie, and frankly, I think they were trading up to get in front of the Bills. I think the Bills would have taken Trent McDuffie if he was still hanging around I think you're exactly that right, spot. 100%. Uh, they traded up to 23 to take a corner instead. I think that's who they were really trying to jump there. But it did create a couple moments of, uh-huh, the Chiefs are going to stick it to the Packers. But the Chiefs took two defensive players, the Packers took two defensive players, and now they both wait and continue to wait to see whether or not uh, they get receivers. And I, and I saw somebody tweet last night, hey, Packers fans, don't worry. Jordy Nelson was a second-round pick. Devontae Adams was a second-round pick. None of those guys came in with the expectation that they're the number one receiver. The Packers are clearly in need of a number one receiver. Rodgers' comments last night underscore that. He thought Adams was going to be there. They need a number one receiver. Sammy Watkins isn't it. Randall Cobb isn't it. Alan Lazard isn't it. What are they going to do to go get themselves a number one receiver tonight? Or are they going to go try to get a Debo Samuel? Uh, Rodgers talked about that last night, too. But there's no way the 49ers are trading Debo Samuel to the Packers. Exactly right. There's just no way that's going to happen. And if I'm Debo Samuel, I'm not even sure I want to go there. Just what? Like to go there and Aaron Rodgers leaves in a year or two? And then you go, well, crap, I'm here for five more years on a big contract. What the hell? So I I don't see that being a a thing. I I think in my heart of hearts, and you've heard me say this, Shanahan's going to go down swinging trying to keep Debo Samuel. He's not going to let that go easily. There's a lot of reasons to, to not. You've talked about it. The proven commodity. He's just starting to, to hit the tip of the iceberg of how great of a player. And then the Trey Lance aspect. And he'd be the guy that's going to make things the easiest for him. So, yeah. I mean, Green Bay, too. Where they're sitting, right? I mean, I'm just I'm trying to remember their second-round picks here. Pick 59. I don't think they have uh, – they got pick 53 as well. I would think they're going to be a team that's going to be looking to make a move here to start the second round a little bit just because of, you know, the things we just said. There, to me, there's there, you're, you, a lot of the good receivers are gone. Now you're getting into guys that you know, Christian Watson, I think, is a stud, a star. He's my second favorite receiver. He's one of those guys that I think is being misevaluated like a DK Metcalf or a Chase Claypool or A.J. Brown in the second round. That's what he is. But I don't think he's going to be sitting there at 53. They better move up. Him or Sky Moore are the two receivers that – are, I think, the prized possessions of the second round. And there's going to be teams at the top of the second that like them. So Green Bay, I would think, is going to have to make a move to go get to one of those guys. And uh, it's unreal. The Chiefs aren't as desperate. The Chiefs, you look at their receivers, Mike, we just go, well, we think they're going to be so elite there, they might add another guy. But I don't have a problem with them you know, as much as Green Bay, because, hey, it's still got McCole Hardman and Travis Kelsey and uh, M- M- Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster, and I think I'm missing somebody else. So that's still a real damn good group there. Green Bay, on the other hand, like you said, it's eh. It echoes what we said at the time those trades happened. When the Packers lose Devontae Adams and the Chiefs lose Tyreek Hill, even though Hill, you and I would agree, is better than Devontae Adams, some would disagree, and that's fine, but Hill is better than Devontae Adams, we were more concerned about the Packers losing Adams than we were the Chiefs losing Hill, even though Hill is better than Adams. That really doesn't make sense on the surface, but we have greater faith in the broader structure and system in Kansas City. they They got Travis Kelsey. And, and the Packers don't. And all that talk of Darren Waller, I really do think that was to placate Aaron Rodgers because that door has been slammed, slammed repeatedly. Right. It was slammed by Mark Davis. It was slammed by Darren Waller. It was slammed by Derek Carr. And last night it was slammed by Josh McDaniels. I think that talk was... And now, now that we hear Aaron Rodgers uh-huh. speaking about Devontae Adams, I'm telling you, and, 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 and again... I'm not trying to create drama for the sake of creating drama. I'm trying to interpret the events and come to conclusions about what we think may or could or is actually happening. I, I think that they were putting that out there. I think the Packers were putting that out there because they still got a problem with Aaron Rodgers. I, I, Aaron I don't Rodgers doubt that at all. Happy. I don't doubt that at all. I he isn't was... happy that Devontae Adams is gone. Right, right. It, I, I'm with you. Or, or that they haven't been able to get anybody else. And then, like, Devontae Adams is gone, and they can't even get Marquez Valdez-Scantling back. I, I mean, I, he's got to be frustrated. There's no doubt. I thought that was all that kind of BS, too, Mike. I'm with you. I mean, Josh McDaniels, as we discussed earlier this week, he, he, he's a tight end whisperer. 
I mean, he's one of the few coordinators at all of football that understands how to screw over defenses with the tight end. I just that, that to me, I just never believed it. And I think you're right, Mike. The more time that goes on, it was just something out there to make Rodgers feel a little bit better. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We have Peter King in Philadelphia. We'll talk a little bit more about what the Eagles did last night, especially the decision to do what the Titans wouldn't, pay A.J. Brown. Let's take a break. We'll have Peter King here on PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 